So today we are closing out the year. Uh, we've got a couple more sermons to go in this Isaiah series, but we're going to continue with the book of Isaiah. And today the message is Jesus Christmas names unwrapped. We're not going to cover all the names of Jesus, but we're going to highlight um, the main Christmas names that come to us through the prophecies of Isaiah and uh, then are highlighted in the early passages in the New Testament about uh, Jesus and his birth at the opening of the New Testament. So today we're going to begin by reading, oh, parents, definitely all of you, follow along with the sermon notes, and I'm hoping that the, those of you who are parents, uh, you can take these notes home and maybe over the course of the next few weeks or just for devotionals with your children, translate this into whatever level your children are age-wise so that they can learn about Jesus's names and titles and what that means and how you can teach them about our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We're going to begin the reading from the scriptures from the book of Isaiah. We're returning to Isaiah chapter 9. We'll read again in its entirety, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. And we'll also move on ahead in Isaiah to chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. Uh, then we'll turn to the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 for some readings there as well from the Nativity story. I invite you to follow along in the scripture in your own Bible that you may have brought, or we also have this posted on the screens as we hear the word of God. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, Galilee of the Gentiles, Goyim. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his, the oppressors, of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then on to Isaiah chapter 10. Verse 20 and 21. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them 
but will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. And then over to the New Testament. To Matthew chapter 1. And I'm just going to go ahead and read verse 1 as well. Uh, Matthew 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then picking up at verse 20. This is after Joseph, who's betrothed to Mary, has learned that she's pregnant and he's resolved to divorce her quietly, being a righteous man. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, that is the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then on to Luke, Luke's gospel chapter 2. Picking up at verse 11 and then moving on to verse 21 and following. Just one verse here from the angelic proclamation, the angel of the Lord to the shepherds. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then to verse 21. And at the end of eight days, that is eight days into the birth, following the birth, he was circumcised. This is under the law, according to the law. When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, because Gabriel had also told Mary before she conceived that the boy's name was to be Jesus. And the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. When this time came, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents, that is Mary and Joseph, brought the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. This is the Nuke Dementis proclamation. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. So, um, follow along, if you will, with the sermon outline, and we'll go through some of these names. We've already, I've already preached an entire sermon on the light, but just to remind you, this is one of the key names for Jesus. It's the one given as the opening name or opening title in the great uh, prophecy of Isaiah chapter 9, a light given to those people who were walking in darkness. They've seen a great light. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. When we walk in times of depression and darkness and confusion, Jesus is the light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Amen. Bob Daniels, happy birthday. Amen. Yes. He is the light of the world. Um, Zechariah. This is back in Luke chapter 1. I didn't read this in the scripture uh, series that we did, but let me take you back to this for just a minute. Zechariah, this is the old, old father of John the Baptist. When Zechariah's mouth is opened after John the baptizer is born, remember he's, Zechariah was made mute because he didn't believe what the angel of the Lord said to him when he was serving in the temple. Now, in Luke chapter 1, just a segment of what Zechariah's song or, or, or psalm of praise is, verses 78 and 79, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. In other words, we're talking about not just regular sun. We're talking about God coming to us, the light of the world, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Remember, that is the term that is used in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It's the same term that's used in Psalm 23. You know, I will not fear when I go through the valley of the shadow of death. So here Zechariah is saying the same thing. He's basically echoing Isaiah chapter 9 and saying, you know what? You, John, you little baby, you're going to be the prophet of the Most High and prepare the way for the light to come. The light who will be like sunrise from on high uh, to lead us out of the valley of the shadow of death. To give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide their feet into the way of peace. So Jesus leads us from darkness into God's grace and into peace with God and with one another. He is the light. Uh, when Simeon, this old prophet who is in the Holy Spirit, has been waiting his entire life to see the Messiah, and God has promised him, before you die, you will see the Messiah. So Simeon, this old prophet who's waiting in the temple, the Lord's Spirit tells Simeon to go to the temple that the Messiah has arrived 
and Simeon goes, and again, Luke chapter 2, verse 32. Simeon says, now I've seen it, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people Israel. In other words, Isaiah 9, 2 has come true. Here it is. The light is here. So let us look to Jesus, who is the light. When we are in times of confusion, darkness, trust in him and pray for him to open your eyes and to be your vision, to be your vision into the new year. He is the light. Secondly, he is Emmanuel, Emmanuel, which means, of course, God with us. This is from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Mention that Christmas Eve night, couple sermons back in the middle of the summer on this passage. But notice that in Matthew's gospel, this is highlighted when Gabriel talks to Joseph and tells him, you, you have to. You have to take Mary as your wife. You're called of God, and let me tell you what's happening. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What Isaiah prophesied over 700 years ago, it's happening now, Joseph, and it's happening through your betrothed by the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to us a child is born, to us a son is given, as I said on Christmas Eve night. Remember, child is already, we've already identified, this is a male child. This is a yellow. This is not a yalda. This is not a female child. This is a male child. So why the emphasis on son? Well, it's huge. It's important. We'll keep talking about that. He is the son of God. He is God with us, the son of God come to us. This is what the scripture is telling us. He will be great, Gabriel says to Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. Let me translate that for you. In simple terms, that means Son of God. Son of the Most High. He's the Son of God. To us a Son is given, and He's given by God. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Let me tell you this. No one short of God himself can save your soul. And that's what the good news is telling us. The son of God has come to us at Christmas time. He is the savior. Trust in no one else but him for your life and for your eternity. And he has come to us for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This then leads into the epithets or the, the, the throne titles that we're talking about today and highlighting today a little bit more, flowing in chapter 9, verse 6 of Isaiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called, his name shall be called Wonderful God, right? Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Notice this. Two terms here. Uh, there is some debate about whether this is one title or two different titles. We'll just go with the traditional view that we're talking about the same thing here, wonderful counselor. Uh, if you go over to Isaiah chapter 28, verse 29, it says, this also comes from the Lord of hosts. So we're talking about God here, the God of the heavenly armies, the Lord of hosts. Remember, Lord of hosts means God of the heavenly armies of the angels. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. 
He is wonderful in counsel, excellent in wisdom. Wonderful counselor. That's who God can be for you. That's who Jesus is. So this is telling us a couple things. One is this son born to us is God, and he is the God who is miraculous. That's what the term Pella means there. He's miraculous. I mean, you were talking about divine level. He's wonderful. He does wonders, okay, in his planning. That term counsel means really effectuating plans, okay? And it means that everything that God has laid out is going to happen, and he will effectuate it. And here's the preaching point or application point for you and me. Look to God for the plan of your life. Look to God to advise you. Don't trust your own ideas and definitely don't listen to other human beings for the counsel that only God can give. Parents, if you are not saturating your children in the word of God, the wonderful counselor, you are harming their future. Let me be very clear. The counsel that they need preeminently in their hearts and in their lives comes from God. Teach them to pray. Teach them to look to God for counsel. He is the wonderful counselor, and he's come to us as one of us in Jesus. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Isn't he a wonderful God? He's just awesome. So uh, speaking of God, let's keep going. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, El Gibor. This, this is strong terms. I've mentioned this already in looking at Isaiah chapter 9, and you can go back. You know, I've been emphasizing this entire fall heading into this winter that God is a warrior God. God is a mighty God. Go back and listen, if you need to, to the sermon that I preached on Christ the King Sunday, November the 21st, on God's triumph, the triumph of God's plan. And remember, I talked about how God is re referred to repeatedly as a mighty warrior. He wins the victory. He wins the battle. And we are called to be spiritual warriors in the cause of God, okay? Not taking up a literal gun or sword. Jesus makes this very clear. But we are dealing with spiritual warfare as we walk through this valley that we're in, and we are called to trust in him, not the power of our arm, but in the power of his arm. He is the mighty God. And here we're being told this baby born to us, this son, is not just wonderful counselor. He's also El Gabor, mighty God. And he is the one who's going to bring the remnant back for Israel. And he's the one who's going to save all the Gentiles who turn to him. Let me make this very clear. Connect the dot. I just read it to you from Isaiah chapter 10 verse 21 a remnant will return the remnant of jacob to whom the mighty god it's the same term 
In other words, the mighty God to whom the remnant of Israel is going to return and all the Gentiles who turn to God will go to, it's the same one as this boy who's born to us. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Also, he is the Everlasting Father. Now, this one is a little bit of a head-scratcher when you first read it, right? This baby is the Everlasting Father. Have you ever known anyone, any baby, that is named Everlasting Father or even Father? Uh, you know, when he's in the manger or the crib or the cradle. Uh, everlasting Father, Abiyad here. Um, how is this possible? Well, let me remind you that the pinnacle, many biblical scholars and preachers through the ages have considered the greatest prophecy in the entire Old Testament to be the fourth song or prophecy about Jesus that we read in Isaiah, close of chapter 52 and all the way through 53. The lamb who is led to the slaughter for our sins, the one who's pierced for our transgressions. And in the midst of that great prophecy, which 750 years before Jesus dies on the cross is telling us exactly what he's doing on the cross to atone for our sins, in the midst of that prophecy, listen to the final stanza right in the middle here. Isaiah 53, verse 10. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, in other words, when he dies for your sin on the cross, look at this, he shall see his offspring. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10 just told you that in the greatest prophecy in the entire Old Testament, in the prophecy of what Jesus is doing to save our souls on the cross, he is seeing children. Let me repeat that. When Jesus died on the cross, he saw everyone who will believe in him as his child. You a Christian? He saw you as his child as he died for you on the cross. That's what Isaiah 53, 10 just said. And that takes us back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Everlasting. We can all understand that, right? Is he a father for, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years? No, Everlasting Father. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says it very bluntly. I and the Father are one. As he says in John chapter 14, when you've seen the when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And of course, the opening prologue of John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. The Father makes us. And John chapter 1 tells us, nothing was made except by the word of God. 
There's nothing that was made except by him. Psalm 103, verse 13. This takes us to the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus for you. Parents, teach this to your children. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of the Father. They are one. The heart of God for you, the Father and the Son. And he gives it to us by his Spirit. So he's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and then Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. You know, this entire prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, and really so much of the prophecy about Isaiah, the great climaxes, are all taking us towards peace. Peace. After the Assyrians, to whom Ahaz stupidly was turning to try to deal with the northern kingdom of Israel and with Syria beating up on him, not saying, after Assyria is gone, after everything's gone, I'm going to bring a son who's going to bring real peace. And the peace that we're talking about here, though, is not just a return from exile. And it is not, let me apply this to us here, it is not going to be forged primarily through political means. This peace begins and ends with our being reconciled to God and no longer being at war with God. And through that, no longer being at war with one another. You remember the prophecy I preached on a few weeks ago on Isaiah chapter 11? Remember what verse 6 says? You know, when the, um, when the animals are at total peace, the lions eating straw, the wolf lies down with the lamb. Who's pulling this off? Some great emperor? with a royal retinue? No, it's really interesting that all these passages, you may notice this, clearly this son we're talking about is gonna be royal, but he's not called the king specifically in any of these because the kings have failed us. Not just the David line of kings, every king on earth fails us. This royal son is gonna be different and who pulls off all this reign of peace? A little child will lead them. Remember that from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6? A little child. This one, he is the prince of peace. He's amazing. He will bring us to this. And he does it. And here's where it all starts. And here's the grand conclusion of it all. Through the forgiveness of sin and restoration to God. See, you, you can try to have all the hunger programs and disarmament programs and nuclear negotiations and um, sanctions about wonder what's going to happen in the Ukraine and this, that, and the other. You can have all of that for the rest of history, and none of that brings peace. What brings peace, first and foremost, is that you and I have our sins forgiven through Jesus Christ, which brings us, of course, to this central name, Isaiah doesn't give it to us explicitly. It's kind of there rumbling in his own name, Yeshayahu, you know, Yeshua, right? 
um, they're related, but we don't get it laid out until we start opening the New Testament. And all of a sudden, this is the new highlight. His name shall be called, you know the other names, right? You gotta know this one. His name shall be called Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Yeshua, right? It means the Lord's salvation, or it can mean, at the highest point, the Lord himself who saves. And this baby is going to be called the Lord's salvation, or, if you will, and as the New Testament makes really clear, he is, as the angel says to the shepherds, he is Christ the who? The Lord. He is the Lord who saves. He is the Savior. Luke chapter 2, verse 30, in the Nuke Demitis, Simeon says, My eyes have seen your salvation. Gabriel says to Joseph, Call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The Christmas gift and the names of Jesus all invite us today to trust in him. You can have all the toys in the world. You can have great Christmas frivolity and nostalgia and gathering around trees with family. But if you're not forgiven of your sin and brought to peace with God, it's all gonna fade and ultimately be thrown away just like the wrapping on the presents we give to one another. But if you, by the Holy Spirit, will unwrap the names of Jesus, you can be saved. Will you receive him, the gift, trust in him? Parents, the central, the greatest thing you can pray for your children and help guide your children in is that they would turn to Jesus, the Savior, the name, the gospel, and be brought to peace with God forever. That's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.